Hi, welcome to Finding Our Rhythm podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Work, here with Rich Nelson. And we are excited to welcome you to season two. Yay! Can we believe it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rich and I um, took a little hiatus, what, a month uh, from our last? A month and a half, yeah. And uh, we had, I have to tell you, this grand plan that we were um, putting together for this school year because Rich and I are such good planners and students that we had it all figured out. And then (laughs) the fall came. Yes. And uh, for those of you who know us and those who are just our listeners, we've mentioned before, we're both uh, students at VTS. Yeah, this is our senior year for both of us. So it's our or last year to get to be here. And that's exciting. There's all kinds of, you know, uh, things uh, ahead that we're looking forward to, but also there's a lot of things up in the air and things that need to be, you know, sorted out and settled over the coming months. And, uh, and that, you know, is taking a lot of energy and I think anxiety around some of that uh, for each of us is adding to, Adding to the the uh, if you could only see us right yeah Uh, we and we have been talking a lot about um, how we had this structure and plan you should honestly you if you could have seen it it was impressive we we were rather proud of ourselves and then suddenly both Rich and I we were finding ourselves trying to force it would you say like yeah. Because when you come up with a plan, you know, and planning is not bad, but right. but here's the temptation, I think. When you come up with a plan, you get so locked into step one, step two, this is what it's all going to look like. And you can kind of see it all in your mind's eye. And then reality sets in <laughs> and you begin to try to make those things happen. And, um, and a lot of I think that can create, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, heartache and turmoil. And so as we were thinking about how to kick off this season, um, we just noticed that, look, the the name of our podcast is Finding Our Rhythm. Not Forcing Our Rhythm? Not Forcing Our Rhythm. Oh, It's finding. (laughs) Okay. It's not planning our rhythm. It's not. (laughs) It's um, making it be what you want it to be. It's it's finding it. It's finding it. And so... And so we'd love to begin this season with you having a conversation around what it looks like to be open to finding and to be open to simplifying and to letting go of of even your best laid plans. And uh, it reminded me uh, before we started recording, I was reminded of a couple of falls ago, my husband and I decided to do a Segway tour of Washington, D.C., the Monument segment, Segway Tour, which I highly recommend. So, you know, if you're in the area, you should do it. And when you go to the Segway Tour company, you have to be at the company about 45 minutes before the tour actually starts because they give you a little training lesson on how to uh, control, not control, how to drive, I guess is the word, how to drive a Segway. So I had seen it done before and I got up on the Segway and I have to tell you, they tell you to step on the Segway, put your hands on the handlebars and just lean into it. It's natural. 
Well, it's a little scary because first of all, they don't have brakes. If you didn't know that they have no brakes and they really don't have a, um, acceleration like place like a motorcycle would be. It's actually just your body movements forward is, is making it go fast and leading to the left or the right. That's and, and to stop, you actually lean backward. Mm. And so when I got on the first time, the whole Segway was shaking all over the place and I had to get off because I was going to fall off. And I did it, I think two times, the third time before I got on the little coach who's training you says to me, Lisa, the more you try and control the Segway, the less control you have over the Segway. Think about that. The more control you have over the Segway, or the more you try and control it, the less control you have. And that was such a real lesson for me because in life, I would, if I look back on it, that's kind of how things work. The more I try and control it, the less control I have. Yeah. And it was shaking because you were shaking. Oh, you I was holding ripping. on with a depth grip to yeah, those. Right. Yeah. I think that's an amazing metaphor for life <laughs> in all kinds of ways, because when we feel scared or nervous or out of our element or like things aren't going well, our natural inclination is to hold on tighter, mm-hmm. hold on tighter to our plan, hold on tighter to some sense of control. Yeah. And so the move from the way that I'm safe is by tensing up and holding on tight to the way that I am safe is by relaxing and easing into this and finding some kind yeah. of natural uh, symbiosis, not only with the segue, but with life. With life. And I would say Rich and I were trying to control the segue. Yeah. yeah. And um, we realized that, wait a minute, we just need to open up our, now on a segue, don't open your hands up because you do have to hold on. But essentially we had to loosen our grip. Yeah. And so what you're hearing today is the beginning of Rich and I loosening our grip. Loosening our grip. And we hope that that is good news and resonates with you as much as it's resonating with us. Because whatever season, you know, of life it is for you, you know, we're here in the fall recording this in the fall of our, you know, the start of our senior year. Um, My guess is that you're you're at some place, too, where there's some temptation to really hold on Mm -hmm. tight to something. And if you don't do it, who will? I think that's a a voice that I often. Yeah. So for this episode, we are inviting you to sit in silence for five minutes. Our structure is similar to centering prayer or uh, Christian meditation. Rich is going to read a passage from the dowel. We will time five minutes so you don't even have to worry about it. I will let you know when the five minutes is up and then we'll have a prayer at the end. So it will be silence. There will be no sound in between. Chapter 16 of the Tao Te Ching. Attain complete emptiness. Hold fast to stillness. The 10,000 things stir about. I only watch for their going back. Things grow and grow, but each goes back to its root. Going back to the root is stillness. 
This means returning to what is. Returning to what is means going back to the ordinary, understanding the ordinary, enlightenment. Not understanding the ordinary, blindness creates evil. Understanding the ordinary, mind opens. Mind opening leads to compassion. Compassion to nobility. Nobility to heavenliness. Heavenliness to Tao. Tao endures. Your body dies. There is no danger. Well, Rich and I um, took a little hiatus, what, a month uh, from yeah, our month, last month and a half. Yeah. And uh, we had, I have to tell you, this grand plan that we were um, putting together for this school year because Rich and I are such good planners and students that we yeah. had it all figured out. And then <laughs> the fall came. Yes. And, uh, for those of you who know us and those who are just our listeners, I, we've mentioned before, we're both uh, students at VTS. Yeah, this is our senior year for both of us. So it's our our last year to get to be here. And that's exciting. There's all kinds of, you know, uh, things uh, ahead that we're looking forward to. But also there's a lot of things up in the air and things that need to be you know sorted out and settled over the coming months. And, uh, and that, you know, is taking a lot of energy and I think anxiety around some of that, uh, for each of us is adding to, <laughs> adding to the, the, uh, if you could only see us, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, we, and we have been talking a lot about, um, how we had this structure and plan. You should, honestly, you should, if you could have seen it, it was impressive. We, we were rather proud of ourselves. And then suddenly both Rich and I, we were finding ourselves trying to force it. Would you say like? Yeah, because when you come up with a plan, you know, and planning is not bad, but, right. but here's the temptation. I think when you come up with a plan, you get so locked into step one, step two, this is what it's all going to look like. And you can kind of see it all in your mind's eye. 
and then reality sets in and you begin to try to make those things happen. And, um, and a lot of, I think that can create, you know, a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh, heartache and t- turmoil. And so as we were thinking about how to kick off this season, um, we just noticed that, look, the, the name of our podcast is finding our rhythm, not forcing our rhythm, not forcing our oh, rhythm. It's wow. finding. <laughs> okay. It's not planning our rhythm. It's not. <laughs> it's um, making it be yeah. what you want it to be. It's, it's finding it's it. It's finding it. And so, and so we'd love to begin this season with you having a conversation around what it looks like to be open to finding and to be open to simplifying and to letting go of, of even your best laid plans. And uh, it reminded me, uh, before we started recording, I was reminded of a couple of falls ago, my husband and I decided to do a Segway tour of Washington, D.C., the Monument segment, Segway Tour, which I highly recommend. So, you know, if you're in the area, you should do it. And when you go to the Segway Tour company, you have to be at the company about 45 minutes before the tour actually starts because they give you a little training lesson on how to uh, control, not control, how to drive, I guess is the word, how to drive a Segway. So I had seen it done before and I got up on the Segway and I have to tell you, they tell you to step on the Segway, put your hands on the handlebars and just lean into it. It's natural. Well, it's a little scary because first of all, they don't have brakes. If you didn't know that they have no brakes and they really don't have a um, acceleration like place like a motorcycle would be. It's actually just your body movements forward is is making it go fast and leading to the left or the right. That's and, and to stop, you actually lean backward. Mm. And so when I got on the first time, the whole Segway was shaking all over the place and I had to get off because I was going to fall off. And I did it, I think, two times. The third time before I got on, the little coach who's training you says to me, Lisa, the more you try and control the Segway, the less control you have over the Segway. Think about that. Yeah. The more control you have over the seg, or the more you try and control it, the less control you have. And that was such a real lesson for me because in life, I w- if I look back on it, that's kind of how things work. The more I try and control it, the less control I have. Yeah. And it was shaking because you were shaking. Oh, you I was holding ripping. on with a depth grip to yeah. those. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an amazing metaphor for life <laughs> in all kinds of ways because when we feel scared or nervous or out of our element or like things aren't going well, our natural inclination is to hold on tighter, Mm -hmm. hold on tighter to our plan, hold on tighter to some sense of control. Yeah. And so the move from the way that I'm safe is by tensing up and holding on tight to the way that I am safe is by relaxing and easing into this and finding some kind yeah. of natural uh, symbiosis, not only with the segue, but with life. With life. And I would say Rich and I were trying to control the segue. Yeah. yeah. And um, we realized that, wait a minute, we just need to open up our, now on a segue, don't open your hands up because you do have to hold on. But yeah. Yeah. essentially we had to loosen our grip. Yeah. And so what you're hearing today is the beginning of Rich and I 
loosening our grip. Loosening our grip. And we hope that that is good news and resonates with you as much as it's resonating with us. Because whatever season, you know, it, of life it is for you, you know, we're here in the fall recording this in the fall of our, you know, our, the start of our senior year. Um, yeah. My guess is that you're, you're at some place too where there's some temptation to really hold on mm. tight to something. And if you don't do it, who will? I think that's a, a voice that I often... Yeah. And ironically, as we are uh, recording this, um, we had a little uh, ding come through from one of my, uh, from a text message on my uh, computer. And I just have to laugh as we're picking up because I think this is an example of how we want to control everything. Yeah. And sometimes we can. So the spiritual practice of unplugging, <laughs> of hitting the do not disturb button, of uh, noticing when the plan is creating more anxiety uh, than it's alleviating. Truth, truth. Yeah, right? that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. That being said, it doesn't mean that when you try something new, a practice that's either new or even an old practice that you're familiar with, it might feel not uh, familiar, maybe a little uncomfortable, would you say? Um, yeah, and that's, I mean, there is a difference between doing something that's new and outside your element and um, and going through life with this sense of it's all up to me and, uh, you know, the anxiety that comes from that. And so, for instance, with my work that I'm thinking about over the next few months, I was feeling, am feeling, a bit overwhelmed. There's so much to do. And in some ways, what that is forcing me to do is, um, is to let go and trust just a bit more. Trust that what needs to happen will happen, uh, that things that don't get done will eventually get done if they need to be. And it's causing me and God to have some conversations around what what really is important for me to yeah, focus on Yeah, what is right the now. essential? Yeah. I I am likewise. I you know, there are so many opportunities that tend to present themselves. Yeah. And uh in the season that both Rich and I are in right now, not just our senior year, I'm in the process of ordination the next few months, uh God willing. And I also, you know, in thinking about Oh, where will I serve after I graduate? Mm -hmm. And all of those things can be, you can become obsessive yes. about them or fearful that you're going to miss out. Yeah. What if I don't do this? Or what do I, what if I need to do this? Mm -hmm. um, whether it's something during the semester or vocationally, right? Yeah. And that can put such a, that drivenness or that fear of missing out. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of both. Uh, can can rob us, I think, of the opportunities to just allow them to unfold. I think it's it's a fine line, right? It's not a slothfulness of doing nothing and just waiting till it shows up. Yeah. But it's also, or and it's also not a drivenness where I have to make it happen. Yeah. I think fear of missing out is a curse in some I ways, agree. right? <laughs> 
And I also think it perhaps is an idolatry. And the reason is that like my fear of missing out goes, oh, here's this opportunity. If I don't take it now, it might not lead to the next thing, to the next thing, which is what, you know, which is where I want to go. Whereas it's just where I want to go. The idolatry that comes in that is thinking that God can't find some other way (laughs) to get me there, even if this isn't the one, you know, the the one that I choose. And so it makes me think, oh, it's up to me. It's up to me Mm -hmm. to figure this out, to do the work, to make it all happen. Um, When really what is up to me is my my part. And uh, and God's part is a lot bigger uh, than my part. And. And God's perspective on it yeah. is much broader than yeah. ours. That's right. Can and it's imagine? not just like an individual thing. It's a communal thing. Oh, you so know? true. So yeah. whatever churches we might serve in the future or something, there are things going on there too. So true. And people are working on things and making them come together there too in ways that we won't know and can't know right now, you know, for mm-hmm. some time. But, um, you know, that makes me think about Rich. Uh a particular practice a few weeks ago, Rich and I were chatting and in preparation, right, of, of doing our new season. And I, I confessed to Rich, I'm like, I really feel like I should be doing more centering prayer. Like, with, And we have a group on campus that meets um, at a particular time on, you know, each afternoon, which is not a bad time necessarily. It's just not a time that seems to work in my schedule. And I was really carrying a lot of guilt and shame only put on by myself. So I just need to be clear, not anybody saying you should be there, but I wanted to be there and couldn't be there. And I went through this whole thought process thinking, am I just not dedicated enough to it? Am I not? I can give you a whole list. I won't do that now, but I finally just let it go and just said, okay, God, I really want to do this, but it doesn't seem to work in my schedule like this. And, um, a was it last weekend? Uh, I was uh, part of a part of a Zoom um, co- conference that I signed up for without looking carefully to see that it was UK time and not and not uh, the time of the Eastern Standard Time, which uh, translated into it started at five thirty at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm so glad I did it, and it actually the whole time started with. Some, some contemplative prayer via Zoom. So here I am in, a, in my home on Zoom, sitting on the floor, watching this. And we all, the people in the UK, and actually there was a person from Australia and I think some other places, and we all sat together and did contemplative prayer for an, a half hour. And then we started. And then I was introduced to, wow, you can actually do this with other people. There are some other rooms that you can participate. And so I started doing it works better for me in the mornings, uh, two days a week. And I have found it was, it was great. Now I have to be honest when I first, the first time I did it, it's been a while since I had sat that long with a group of people, even on zoom in contemplative prayer in my mind was everywhere, like <laughs> everywhere rich. And I thought, man, I, didn't used to have this much of a problem. It's been a long time. And then I, you know, I remembered this is really not about having perfect silence in our mind. It's about the choice to consent to God, to sitting in God's presence 
for no other purpose, not to come up with an answer, not to find out what God's will for my life is, not to uh, answer any question. It was really just to be in presence with God. And it's so counter cultural to why we do things, isn't it? It is. It is because in the story of my life, I'm always the central character, you know? <laughs> I think we all are. And, right. <laughs> and, and one of the gifts of my faith is that it reminds me that I am part of a much bigger mm-hmm. story. And, uh, and so I can trust that, that I don't have to drive everything that, you know, there are things that are happening mm-hmm. that I, I don't have to drive the bus. I can sometimes just get on the bus, mm-hmm. right? I don't have to know all the time where it's going if I trust that the driver knows where the driver's mm-hmm. going. And I don't mean that in a simplistic way of like, oh, God's in control of everything. Just, you know, let go and let God. And I've, I've heard that used in ways that I think are unhelpful. Yes. I would say that in a more nuanced way of, I like the river, (laughs) the river metaphor, like the river knows where it's going and you Mm -hmm. can trust that it will get you downstream. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I don't have to be so frantic. I don't have to paddle. I don't have to constantly check the map again and again and again there is a, f- a big flow that's happening mm. that I can just ease into. You know, and, and that's one of the interesting things when you use a river, when I think about that, sometimes they don't take a straight path. <laughs> they almost never take a they, straight they path. They tend to, you know, be a little circuitous sometimes yeah. and for different reasons, but it still gets to its destination. Yeah, they take the path that is drawing. Yeah. The river takes the path that is drawing it. And I, that's so, how often are we looking at it going, this is a much more efficient path. Right. <laughs> let me, let <laughs> me redig this river for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm, I may have tried to redig a few rivers in my own life <laughs> at times. And it's interesting because that restlessness that we feel when we do a spiritual practice, that's like, um, it's not, it's okay that it happens. It's normal. Yeah. I think it's actually more when we're trying to redig it is when we're trying to, to be so blocking the restlessness away, mm-hmm. it becomes a bigger problem yeah. as opposed to just acknowledging that as my brain is all over the place right now, yeah. uh, because in acknowledging it, it, it diffuses it. I I don't recall if I mentioned last season, you know, I am an Episcopal priest and, you know, deeply committed Christian. And I'm constantly fascinated at the wisdom traditions of other uh, cultures and other uh, other faith traditions. Barbara Brown Taylor calls it holy envy. envy. That's (laughs) a great phrase in a great book. (laughs) And and so one. one holy text that I turn to again and again is the Tao Te Ching. Mm-hmm. And one reason that I find it so helpful for me is that a central theme of the Tao is that there, 
there is a larger flow and that seeking to control actually works against that flow, mm. that the way of doing is oftentimes not doing. So like the segue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's about trying to come into some sense mm-hmm. of harmony or alignment. Uh, mm-hmm. They won't use the word God necessarily occasionally, um, but that there is this, yeah, the river is a, is a central metaphor. Water is a central metaphor in the Tao Te Ching for that reason. It's interesting. I mean, the water thing, the more I think about water, um, as Christians, water is such an important part of our lives. Yes. Like uh, Rich and I are um, very uh, committed or um, we value our baptismal covenant. Yeah, it is central in the Episcopal Church and mm-hmm. um and I've learned this fascinating thing recently, too, uh, from one of our Old Testament professors here, is that water in the Bible oftentimes is a fearful thing. Oh, interesting. Like it is water was what was the chaos that God brought creation out of in Genesis. You know and, what? Yes. And the flood is, you know, something that happens that God then promises will never happen again. And then he had us turn... Uh, to Revelation, and uh, or wow. this was a, a New Testament professor. Now I remember him. Sorry, he had his turn to Revelation, and it said, in the midst of Revelation, you know, there's a new heaven and the, a new earth, and the sea will be no more. And so, wow, I yeah. don't think I, I'll have to look that up, right. Rich. Yeah, and wow. so, wow. and so there's this, um, there's a sense of. The water is chaotic and something that must be controlled versus the water is something that knows its own path and uh, we come to trust in it, you know. And so like the Jonah story, when he's trying to run away from Mm. God, where does he go? He goes to the sea and there's all kinds of turmoil or Jesus and the disciples on the boat and they're just amazed that he can control the, the storm and walk on the water. And so mm-hmm. if the water is both this chaos agent and, and the very real source of all life, life you know, how well, do we without, those Yeah, without water, there is no life. Like we, we know that that's yeah. the case. That's why like when the space, they look at other planets to see if water is there. Does it exist? And yeah. then they think, well, life could be here if there's yeah. water here. Yeah. And I think about the other thing that's interesting in the New Testament and the Old Testament, important things seem to happen around wells yes. and water. Right. People are having a God moment, for lack of a better word, yeah. Yeah. by the well. Yeah. One other thing about water. <laughs> uh, Indigenous Peoples Day is coming up, and mm. I'm getting ready to lead uh, youth in a consideration of that. And it pointed out that for us, oftentimes a waterway is a boundary that distinguishes mm. like one state from another or one city from another. Or, or one county from one another. County Absolutely. From another. Yes. For native peoples, water was not the boundary. It was the center. It was the center of the community. And you existed not you know, apart from somebody on the other side of the river, but your tribe existed around that particular passageway because it was it was your river it was your it was your road um 
I just thought that was fascinating, the ways that people can look at that and see two completely separate things. That's actually a beautiful thing. And I think that kind of takes us back to where we started, which is our plans Mm -hmm. and forcing or finding Mm -hmm. a rhythm. Yeah. And uh, so our first, this first episode, our invitation to you is to find your rhythm and not to force your rhythm. Find it, not force it. Consider things that could be boundaries or separation points to perhaps be important and central in some way. Mm -hmm. And And, yeah, and to be open to discomfort is okay. Feeling a little something doesn't feel um, like you're doing it perfectly. So that's a performance thing, right? Uh, That's okay to kind of fit of angst for, you know, like angst maybe isn't the right word, but just a little discomfort as opposed to drivenness. I have to make it happen. Those are two very different things. Uh, And so our invitation to you is to see differently. So thank you so much for joining Rich and I on this first episode of season two. What I do know is that while our grand plan might not look the same, some of our smaller pieces may still happen. And one of those things is having a practice that we offer to you and then a separate uh, episode, mini episode, if you will, that you can revisit practicing that practice. So be on the lookout for that in the upcoming season. And again, we welcome your uh, feedback and your insight And we hope to hear from you. In the meantime, remember finding your rhythm is the way to go. Amen. So for this episode, we are inviting you to sit in silence for five minutes. Our structure is similar to centering prayer or Uh, Christian meditation, Rich is going to read a passage from the dowel. We will time five minutes so you don't even have to worry about it. I will let you know when the five minutes is up and then we'll have a prayer at the end. So it will be silent. There will be no sound in between. Chapter 16 of the Tao Te Ching. Attain complete emptiness. Hold fast to stillness. The ten thousand things stir about. I only watch for their going back. Things grow and grow, but each goes back to its root. Going back to the root is stillness. This means returning to what is. Returning to what is means going back to the ordinary, understanding the ordinary, enlightenment, not understanding the ordinary, blindness creates evil. Understanding the ordinary, mind opens. Mind opening leads to compassion, compassion to nobility. Nobility 
to heavenliness, heavenliness to Tao. Tao endures. Your body dies. There is no danger.
Oh God, grant me an undivided heart to love and serve you today with all my heart, mind, strength, and soul. Open my eyes to see you and serve you in the ordinary events of this day. Make love radiate through me. Amen.